0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance,
1: Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast
0: and welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Bud Elliott, that's Danny Cannell, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Covered 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Just go ahead and give a high five to that like, maybe a boom to that subscribe. Because listen, the chat, which has been rocking and rolling since even before we got started here at YouTube.com slash 3, well, listen, all you need to do is be a subscriber, and you can come in because here on this Monday... We've got some spring game action to break down. Colorado had one of the highest spring game attendances in the whole dagum country. Packed house. see Travis Hunter, Shadur Sanders, Coach Dion Sanders in the beginning of that Coach Prime era. Uh, Notre Dame has its uh, shiny transfer quarterback. The Alabama quarterback battle rages on. Uh, thoughts on Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa, and so much more coming up in just a bit. But we begin with some transfer portal action. There was a notable... Um, commitment from the transfer portal and there was a notable bit of inaction in terms of a name that did not show up in the transfer portal and has committed uh, to its current location let's begin with the action that did happen usc lands bear alexander um, but i'm gonna throw this to you first bear alexander not necessarily with the move but with the player um, what's your general sort of read on him as a a prospect and, and what we can expect from him with the trojans
2: Sure. So USC needs interior defensive line help quite a bit. We saw that a lot in last year's games. There are not a lot of athletic big bodies west of the Rocky Mountains. It's just they they ain't there, right? Uh, so you have to go out east. Barry Alexander is a guy who did make an impact for Georgia in the national championship game. Now, granted, everybody got to play, so I'm not going to say he was a starter and, and was like the most important guy for the Bulldogs as they beat TCU by – 40 or 50 or whatever, whatever the final margin is. 65, to, to, seven. Yeah. 65
0: <laughs> yeah. to seven. God, so it was really eight.
2: was that big of a blowout. Wasn't yes. it? It was it like, Oh yeah. It was eight touchdowns. Um, But he is a massive dude. I mean, six, three, three, three and a quarter ish. I'm not really sure at last check, but around that. Right. But a guy that can move pretty well, he could probably play some nose or three, depending on how you want to play your front. And, and a, a guy that I think is pretty valuable for USC, like he's also not without red flags. And I think he was a four, four high school kid in four years type dude. Mm. The fact that you are leaving Georgia
3: doesn't necessarily, oh, five in, in four years, Danny. I read that online. I, I cannot verify that a hundred percent, but I knew I, it's four or five. And I would probably oh. believe five because there was an IMG included in there. Maybe we're counting him going back to somewhere. Right. Right. He left I, yeah, he
2: left IMG. Um, okay. That, that makes sense. So, like, that's a bit of a concern. Leaving Georgia is probably not a great sign. However, Drew Sanders left Alabama, which is a really good developmental program as well, and is probably going to be a, a late first or early second round draft pick. So, I think if you're a USC fan, you have to be pretty excited. If you're a Georgia fan, you're kind of bummed that you're going to have less interior defensive line depth. And he's not a proven stud yet, but he certainly has stud potential. So, I, I think Georgia fans need to be pretty happy about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if you're USC and you had that defense last year, like Bear Alexander is not going to come in and fix your defense. But having more players, like having one Bear Alexander is better than having none. And I think just kind of adding to the rotation, with especially when you lose Tuli Apollo to, to the NFL, you need to replace him somehow. Maybe Alexander's, he's not the pass rusher, but he's a good kind of, you know, just kind of run stuff for which we saw they really struggled with against Tulane in that, you know, in the bowl game. And they struggled with it all year long against physical teams that could maul them in the middle and just run the ball on them. So... I mean, it's not it's not a fix, but it is a good addition for them. It will help them going forward into the season if that defense is going to improve. And from what we saw last year, that defense really needs to improve if USC wants to win the Pac-12, get to the playoff, do all that kind of fun stuff.
3: They already had the number one ranked uh, transfer class from 24-7 sports before this move. The defense, and this, I mean, this is USC saying, what do we need to fix? Let's throw a bunch of money at it, and let's go fix it. And Mm -hmm. good for them for doing it. They're allowed to. They already have five starters on the 2D listed right now that are all from Power 5 schools, that all have experience. This Barrett Xander probably has the least experience of the guys that have transferred in there. So, yeah, good for them. I actually appreciate the fact that this one, they didn't do like that game of let's wait so it doesn't appear that we just brought him in here as a hired gun because they did that with Caleb Williams. They didn't want to show the appearance that he was coming with Lincoln Riley. Remember, ooh, where is he going to go? He was going to go to USC all along. Remember with Jordan Addison, same thing. Waited a little bit, even though we all knew that deal was done. He went to Texas. I think there were some other schools. The deal was done. And this feels the same. The only thing difference is they're not waiting as long. And good for them for just being out front and saying, Yep, let's go get him. This is our guy. This is what we need to put us over the top. By the way, I I'm a little more like. Is there uh, the fact that Georgia could have matched anybody? Is that like uh, like does that concern you at all? Because like Georgia has deep resources. If they yes. loved Barry Alexander, they would they would say we're not going to lose him. But the fact they're letting him go. It's a little bit of a red flag. Th- That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, like uh, if if he was a great teammate and somebody that they saw
2: as a no doubt starter this year or next year, don't you think Georgia pays up to keep him
0: for defensive line? Yes, because you mentioned yeah. like Jermaine Burton came to mind, right? Mm-hmm. Jermaine Burton leaves. Like, and this is not meant they kept the Marius it,
2: Mims. Yeah, they, but they but let Jermaine is, Burton walk.
0: Where where do you have value? And the Georgia program is built at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you match for an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman that you want, a wide receiver, you know, that's okay, we can go get another one of those out there. Yes, 100%. It's got to at least come with a little bit of um, judgment on our part when we start to think about who Barrett Alexander is, you know, showing up at USC.
2: Six schools in six years is, is, is a concern. There's no yeah. doubt. Like, that, there are questions like, can you be a good teammate? Can you get along with other teammates and your coaches, right? Are you coachable? Do you have long term vision? Or are you just bag chasing for one year? Like, which granted, if you got a big bag, awesome. Congrats. Like, that's there ain't no guarantee you're gonna make the NFL, even if you're a five star. So good for you. But yeah, I think Danny's point is exactly right. So if I go if I go to six different
1: countries in six years, I'm cultured. If I go to six different yeah. schools in six years, though, I don't know, it's a red Let,
2: flag. Last guy that we talked about on the show that was a red flag because of how many schools he had he had gone to mm-hmm. was a guy named Ajay Hall. And he was the best receiver in the state of Florida when he had his head on straight and was healthy, as far as talent-wise. And he hasn't amounted to anything.
3: Do you did think that you, the whole? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, did you guys see Bear Alexander's official Twitter account? I can, I can, I'm I'm assuming it is because it's the one that people referenced. I can't keep track of the check marks. What's happening? <laughs> does But you see what he's listed as? Like, you can list your occupation or your like connection. Like, I have mm-hmm. sports yeah. recreation. He has professional. Athlete, which good for him. I mean, he is—he is a professional athlete. They all are now.
0: Um, one last thing here: D- Does the Danny mentioned all the defensive talent in the transfer class? Does it? Sh- does the group as a whole change expectations for USC defensively, or is it a prove it uh, proposition for you?
1: Uh, oh, it's it's still prove it for me. I mean, I I think they've probably increased the talent level a bit, but I. I mean, they had talented guys on that defense last year. I think that there's some – it's still proven. I I expect it to be better, but
2: I'm not just going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, it's
1: going to be much better.
2: I I would say that it depends on which player you're talking about. In in the aggregate, I think it's hard to see them being worse. Yeah. Defensively, Barry Alexander is pretty proven that he's special physically. Now, will he work hard? Will he be a good teammate? Will he show up to stuff? We'll see. Anthony Lucas – Freak potential, very, you know, pretty raw guy. Jack Sullivan for Purdue could play for them, right? Uh, Mason Cobb, I don't think Mason Cobb's a superstar, but I think he's a reasonably proven player for Oklahoma State who had over 100 tackles a couple times. Like, like a that's going to bring confidence. Yeah, and like somebody just, he's not going to suck, mm-hmm. right? So they'll, they'll be better there. Um, I, I think reasonably they'll they'll be more, more talented and, and, and better.
3: There, So, like, this, I think, is going to be the big difference, and this is why, you know, the Yankees or the Mets or whoever the, whoever spends the most in baseball doesn't always win. There is – I mean, continuity is a real thing. Guys that fit the culture, that fit the system, that want to play together. Like, some schools really – I mean, TCU, they had a bunch of transfers last year, too, that weren't all five stars. They just contributed and they bought into what you wanted to do. Mike Norvell has gotten guys that were – really necessary positions that he was able to develop and fit in the culture outstanding. Like, that's the only thing we don't know. I will say this. If they don't get better, don't you think Alex Grinch is gone? Yes. Yes. I mean, like, that. this is, to yes. me is like, all right, we've got you guys. Here you go. Now we've got to get better, and we'll see if they do. So I do think – think I think getting the interior defensive line presence, a player like this, because I remember talking to Lincoln when he was at Oklahoma. And that was always the question, like, why can't you guys win a playoff game? And he was pretty up front. He's like, the defensive line talent. We can't get it. We don't, we don't have it. We're going after it. But they had a trouble like getting top-tier defensive line talent. Now he's got it you know, at USC. So you would think he's getting the resources he wants. Now you got to see the results.
0: Bear Alexander one of the most high profile names here in this spring transfer portal window again the window to get into the transfer portal closes in about a week's time so this is really crunch time if we're going to see any other big names added to the list and for a day, two days we thought that Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke might be uh, among those it it started with Danny and I on Thursday with a Can we talk about this? Is this reckless? (laughs) Like, are we just pulling rumors out? But sure enough, the Miami Herald's Barry Jackson came out and was reporting it. You know, we've got 24-7 Sports was reporting it. Like, we've now got a full picture that shows that Tyler Van Dyke received interest from Alabama, among others. Then after some conversation, and the Barry Jackson piece in the Herald, I believe, even included some, quote, frustrations with Miami's current NIL setup. But then after meeting with um, some people tied to the Miami program. And I assume the Miami NIL operation, we get a commitment, you know, the the team account comes out with hundred percent committed to 2023 picture of Tyler Van Dyke, Tyler Van Dyke comes out and retweets it. And then the stories that follow indicate that with a new NIL arrangement, Tyler Van Dyke will stay on board and will be a part of the hurricanes uh, in 2023. How close, I mean, well, at what point did you start to entertain the this was going to happen? And is it a good sign, in fact, for Miami in the big picture? Because I was already painting it as how bad of a look this would be for Mario Cristobal. So at this point, I'm feeling like we've avoided a bad look. Is Miami like is is Miami like in a much better place with Tyler Van Dyke now recommitted to the program? Well, I would I
2: started entertaining about Wednesday at about 8:03 p.m. when I got a text from somebody that would know. That said, how would Van Dyke look in crimson next year? I was like, serious? Serious. That blank would be wild. And then, yeah. I, I texted you guys a couple minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that one set
1: the text. I was like, huh? But I um, like... He, he said the NI, NIL setup, he was unhappy with it. And then there was a new NIL arrangement. So did they go from like checks to direct deposit? Was that it? Or was the setup the fact that there was just no money coming at all? Like, what? Right.
3: what he now setup? owns out of like, well, zero well, or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> He's like, wait, are you guys getting delisted? Is my NIL going to get delisted? Yeah. I don't, uh, don't like the way this is set up,
1: specifically the amount of money I'm actually getting. That I don't like.
0: Well, um, you know, John Ruiz and the Miami Herald story that, again, like ran. only. Almost right after we were done with uh, with Thursday's episode, uh, he was responding to some of Barry Jackson's questions, and he said, "I'm all about ROI." And my interpretation of that is like, "Oh, you don't think Tyler Van Dyke returns value? You just made got a Final Four run off of a 600k deal and a 400k deal, and mm-hmm. Tyler Van Dyke on the open market's probably worth more than that." And you're like, did Miami's final four run ruin the football NIL operation? Did you think that now you're going to be able to just get by with a bunch of these six-figure deals for superstars and not pay up to market value for what a quarterback's going to be? But clearly, whether it was John Ruiz or whether it was some of the other collectives that are now starting to get a little bit more organized, clearly they found a way to, uh, to assess Tyler Van Dyke's concerns.
3: And your Tyler Van Dyke you, and Drew Rosenhaus reps him. He's got leverage, right? I mean, oh, yeah. we talked a Thursday about the lack of depth at the quarterback position, how screwed they would have been if if Tyler Van Dyke left. I mean, Rosenhaus is savvy. He knows like – and the, that's why I do think a lot of these agents are getting into this game because I don't – to my knowledge, I don't think they're capped. They probably take more – Percentage-wise, as a commission, than they do from NFL players because they're only allowed to take three percent. That's the max they can take. Most okay. marketing deals are ten or twenty percent they can take. All so they, they're very, they're deals. very interested in getting to this game. Well, then I would have waited because I mean we'll
1: talk about it. I'm sure in a little bit here. But did you see the quarterbacks during Alabama spring game? If I was Drew Rosenhaus and Tyler Van Dyke, I might have let this one go through the weekend before I did
2: anything like that because That's because brutal. of something we're about to talk about mm-hmm.
1: i'm just yeah. i just feel like there's there might be some interest from one side to the you know what you were mentioning earlier there so yeah
0: um one all right so let's uh We'll we'll get to alabama here shortly uh we we can be brief on this unless you've got anything that uh that you really want to expand or spin it forward on but the, the uh, clock rules that we had discussed, you know, when they were initially proposed, uh, they are going to be in place in 2023. No waiting for the clock running after first downs until the final two minutes of each half. So I guess that, you know, as we look at the teams as they are constructed and, and as they will be on the field in 2023, what are you expecting for some of the impacts of the new clock rules?
1: <sighs> I- not to expand on it too much we talked about it a lot i just think that um the games will be a little shorter which i think is the ultimate goal i think it'll probably lead to not as many exciting finishes like you know without the without us, it's going to limit plays which is going to limit opportunities for teams that are trailing to come from behind and win i worry it could lead to a little bit more staleish, kind of boring football in that teams with leads might sit on them a little bit more so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I it's I, I think the ultimate goal here was just to shorten the game so that way they could fit more into the television windows. And then, you know, we can't get rid of commercials, so we got to change the actual t- amount of football that's being played. But, yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to have a huge impact, but I do think it's going to have an impact.
2: Doesn't it not uh, – within the final two minutes, it, it, it still stops, right? Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the final drives uh, – I don't know. I don't love it, but I think we just nailed it. Chip said this is Overton window. We were all like, hey, this is just pay no attention to the man behind the curtain here when they threw out the fourth one, which was Mm -hmm. crazy that the clock was going to run after an incomplete pass. That was two months ago. I I don't have really any new thoughts. And we even back then, our two months ago show, you can go watch it. The the thumbnail has like Mark Emmert and somebody else on it. It says NCAA rule changes. So just find it on our YouTube channel. We did a pretty good breakdown of what the three – like realistic rules would mean and we did like a 2 minute breakdown on what would happen if this fourth rule which was pretty you know nonsense actually got passed and it didn't so
3: i don't have like new thoughts on this i i'm i'm curious i wonder if any like somebody with a lot of time on their hands has gone and like Cause I'm, I, you know, baseball changed their rules, right? They have the mm-hmm. pitch clock now and you know, players love it. The people that cover it, love it. They've said it's revolutionized the sport of baseball and it's knocked off 30 minutes. I'm very curious to see like, how much time does this knock off the windows? Like, has anybody actually gone and been like, I don't even know if yes. I could do it. But you, you have a, seen it? Yeah. There's a, like, they've, I mean, they've, I know yeah. the plays they counted. They, right. they, they said be less seven played, or but, eight
0: plays per game and they estimate that it'll, I think it'll estimate about 20, 30 minutes as well. Like four hour games become three and a half hour games.
3: I don't like that. I think it'll be interesting. Like I don't want it to affect the competitive balance or the actual game itself. And I don't think we're going to get less commercials. Like there's zero chance that happens. But I do think, I think you'll see some timeouts called early in the season as teams get used to the pace of it. I think that'll be a learning curve. But I'm kind of curious. Do you know how mad TV executives get when they're watching a game? And, like, let's say there's a, a 3.30 start on, you know, ABC, and it starts on ESPN News because mm-hmm. the game is going long or a primetime game is pushed to, a you know, another alternate ESPN Plus. It drives them nuts because they want to capture the rating for the start of the game. Like, it's a mess. And so I think there—that's a big reason why it's here. I mean, we all know it's because of the TV, you know, executives that are yeah. getting involved. Because but I also could be a good thing. Because
1: of these changes, ESPN News could be part of the newest layoffs because it might not be needed anymore. <laughs> because as far as I know, that's the only reason that channel exists anymore. Um, <laughs> going going back to the baseball thing, I attended my first baseball game this year uh, over the weekend, and. I will say, I think it's different for attending games than it is for viewing it. I think when you're watching at home, the new pitch clock is great, but when I was at the game, I had to go pee and missed an entire inning. <laughs> yes. it was like, go to get a beer and go, you know, food, go to the washroom, you come back and you've missed an entire inning. So I think in person, it kind of hurts the experience.
2: You ha- you really can't look down at your phone nearly as much when you're at the ball game now and If you're going to go to the bathroom, you kind of got to think, okay, we got seven, eight, nine coming up. Mm -hmm. Let's, I, I can go to the bathroom now. You know, we're we're not going to miss Wander Franco.
0: So, Brian, with the most important question that really is facing this entire country, (laughs) how does this affect Service Academy over under trend? Listen,
1: I haven't brought this up on the show yet, but do you guys understand? Yeah, (laughs) Army's running out of the shotgun now. Yeah, because the new cuplock rules. Uh huh. So. I have no idea. Like, I mean, there's still, it's going to be like a coastal-ish kind of offense, but I have absolutely no idea. The Service Academy Unders might be dead for, I mean, other than Navy Air Force, it might only be one game a year in which it actually, the principal comes into play. So I'm trying, I'm, I'm kind of in denial about it, haven't brought it up, but yeah, I'm, I have serious concerns.
0: Yeah, we, we talked about that on Thursday as well. It's like, the question was, uh, will we see an option team win a national championship? I don't think we're going to see much more like full-blown options. No. So it's going away. Sad, sad day. All right. Um, before we hit the break and start to get into some of these spring game takeaways, uh, did you all see Bruce's piece on DJU in The Athletic? Yeah, Bruce yeah. Feldman, big sh- big fan of the show. Uh, he got to sit down in Corvallis with DJ Uyunglele. And boy, did DJ have some things to say. Some of them like, are things that we have either been able to, to say with our own eyes or guess about what was going on behind the scenes, some, some sharp criticisms of the Clemson offense, some commentary about how he felt like he wasn't really trusted uh, by the coaching staff to be able to go out there and play. And, you know, overwhelmingly you know because he's dj uyangale he's still positive he's like you know this is it's what was meant to be you know I, I don't have any hard feelings towards them i met my girlfriend he also said i might marry her buddy don't put that in print, so, well, print
2: do you know? right <laughs> down for the ring
0: come on man <laughs> uh, but you know he's he, he was it was a very honest piece it was very good i recommend you go check it out but uh you know figured figured we'd get a get a little look at what's happening with the beeves right now. Um, what'd you make of some of DJ's comments, both on you know, what he had at Clemson and then also what he thinks is so much better about the Oregon State quarterback experience?
1: I mean, direct quote from DJ on the offense. He says, I didn't want to do what I was doing at Clemson. I didn't really like what we did there scheme-wise. I didn't think we did very much. I thought it was very basic. It didn't help me out as a quarterback to pl- and play to my strengths. I wanted to go somewhere that would play to my strengths and go somewhere that would develop me for the NFL. Play action. Work under center. Throw the ball deep. And then he goes on to say more. He says... Um, about Oregon State, he says this has been definitely different. The scheme is totally different than what we were doing at Clemson. I feel like it's a lot better. It's just new stuff. I wasn't doing any of these run checks at the line. I wasn't really under center. It's a lot more plays. All of these different play action plays, these different two-man routes, three-man routes, all the stuff that I wanted to do at Clemson, but we weren't doing. It's exciting. I'm just taking it day by day. That's <laughs> This is only one side of the story, but a lot of it is in line With what we've been saying about Clemson's offense for the last few years, and that it was too basic, too predictable, and there wasn't a whole lot to it, but at the same time, like it was the offense they were running when they were recruiting you, bro. Like, (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's 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 just it's a weird thing to me. I just I was surprised he was that blunt about it on the record. That was the biggest takeaway to me because just the way his personality and the way he is, I was just you know. He's very positive. I didn't think he would be that open about how much he didn't like that offense. He's talking about Dabo not trusting him, how he said, you know, in the Notre Dame game, he's like, we just had our best drive of the day. And he benches me for Clubnick. And then Brandon Streeter tells me that Dabo think we thought we needed a spark. And he's like, what are you talking about? We just had our best drive of the game. So he says, when that happened, you know, that's when he just kind of realized the coaches didn't trust him anymore. So. I don't know. I don't think it's a great look for Clemson, but again, it's one side, and I think DJ is kind of putting pressure on himself now because if he goes to this offense, and there's still no guarantee that he's going to be the starter in Corvallis, but if he's in this new offense and he's struggling, it's just going to make it's like, well, you talked about how this offense was great for you, and this is exactly what you wanted, and you're still struggling. So it's it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. I think
3: he's kind of
2: telling on himself a little bit here. Mm-hmm. You guys know how I feel about that Clemson and staff. Like I, I thought it was just a not a staff befitting a team that is trying to win national titles year in, year out. And, and they they look bad, and, and they were predictable. And I, I think other defensive coaching staffs in the ACC are really sad to see those guys go. But did you use like more two-man routes, more under center handing off and play action, those are things that ask relatively little of the quarterback, right? I mean, the, that's play action is a quarterback's best friend. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Like I there, he's going to go to Oregon State and throw the ball a lot less per game if he wins the starting job than he did at Clemson, right? And now maybe if they're down obviously because Oregon State's not going to be favored in all their games like like Clemson typically is. Maybe the numbers would be similar, but in terms of like a neutral game state, they're going to run the ball a heck of a lot more than he did at Clemson and he'll be asked to do a lot less. I'm also not convinced he starts. Yeah, I think he's got tools but we did a short on this on our, on, on the uh, the Cover Three channel, Andrew Ivins and I, and man, Aiden Childs, twenty four seven took a shot on this guy, and we made him number fifty eight in the country. I don't think anybody else had him inside the top one fifty. Kid out of California, if he was in this recruiting class, he might be the number one quarterback in the country. Like that's l- last year's class was loaded, and Oregon State was very fortunate that they were so loaded that they were able to get a, a down ballot guy, if you will, right there. He looked great. Mm-hmm. Making big time throws on time, that may be a battle.
0: What about Cole Branson? I mean, he was seven and one as a starter.
2: Yeah, but oh god, are we gonna do the like the wins or a QB stat or not argument? <laughs> no, I just, I
0: just I just don't think you can write him off. you can write him off. You can't write him Branson off. I wonder starts, if they want like yeah.
3: But is that what they want? Game manager? Is that like cause they run the football a lot? That's one thing they haven't deviated from. That's where I'm like, DJ thinks he's going to throw it deep downfield. i mean, good luck with that. Like are he you might off sure? play action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Not 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 often. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I mean, how old's DJ? 20, 21. He's young. He's you the same age as Bryson
1: Stroud, right? I mean he was yeah, the same class yes, was wasn't
3: 2021 me? but I'm like to me he feels like he's disgruntled you can I mean you, all you have to do is look at somebody who's you know feels like he got a raw deal I, don't think I would say to that how many times did we say on this show what why does Dabo stick with him like is there a coach that's been more loyal to their quarterback than Dabo has been to DJU and now you're like you're throwing him under the bus like you didn't get a fair shot like I, that to me is what yeah. does not look great and I, I mean, I get it. He's young, he's immature, he's got a lot of growing up to do. But he does put a lot of pressure on himself now, you know. Like he, and it, like there was a comment in there about social media. He's like, I have a lot of family members blocked on social media. His family. I was like, man. But I think that shows you there's some unique. Every situation is different. And some of it's not healthy. Even those family members think they're supporting you, that type of you know those relationships can do more damage sometimes than good. And they might have been telling him to leave because that was the other thing. Like. If you were not happy with the system, you didn't wait around to see that they actually got one of these really innovative offensive coordinators. But it sure feels like it just was time for it to end. But I, I think we all, I've like you guys, I felt very validated that, okay, we were spot on in our evaluation of Clemson's offense for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the he uh, like said engine. I didn't want to run. You could see it every time. Like he yes. did not want to run the football, <laughs> and yet they're like, no, 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 we run our quarterbacks here. That goes back to the point. Like, didn't you think that was going to be what you were asked yeah. to do in this system? Mm. I, I'm not
1: sure. I mean, yeah, again, that's that was one thought to say too. It's like, why did you choose Clemson? And I mean, I know he chose it because Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. First pick going to the NFL, but it's like maybe you should have looked a little closer at what they were doing. If you're doing a bunch of stuff you didn't want to, or maybe this is revisionist history from DJU.
0: Uh, Tony in the chat, where is DJ's five star brother playing football? That would be Mateo Uyunglele at Oregon. Oregon. They're 45 minutes apart from each other, and according to Bruce, uh, they hang out on the weekends. It'll uh, it'll be interesting <laughs> to uh, to to see how all of that ends up playing out. Coming up on the other side. Well, Colorado wrapped up its first spring practice of the Deion Sanders era. Got some highlights. What other sort of takeaways do we have from that? Plus, thoughts on Notre Dame, Alabama, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and more.
4: Next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
0: CBS Sports Galazzo Network, the first of its kind, free 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer coverage, is now streaming in the CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount Plus. Get your morning started on the right foot with Morning Footy, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Plus, don't miss the rest of our top-notch programming, including live matches and re-airs, original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and much more. The CBS Sports Galazzo Network. Stream it live. CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount+. Plus. One of the great features of live matches on the Galazzo Network is the tactical cam, which I guess for us uh, college football or football heads, that's basically the, their version of the All-22. They had the tactical cam going during Napoli's win against Juventus. Two disallowed goals and then go grab it in the, uh, in, in the extra time. Yeah, in that, yeah. mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a thrilling, thrilling Serie A match as Napoli uh, inches closer to being able to claim the Scudetto. Anyway. And that Danny, but I'm sorry.
1: Uh, <laughs> I was I was I was on a plane following along on my phone.
0: <laughs> um, did let's, let's start with the very, you know, basic question from the doc? did Colorado spring game meet your expectations? Because expectations is going to be the buzzword around this Colorado program heading into the 2023 season. Are the expectations of Colorado fans realistic or unrealistic? What are our expectations? What are Vegas's expectations? And all of this will be judged, obviously, over the course of 12 regular season games. But after the spring game, did it meet your expectations?
3: Yes. I How could it not have? I I mean... And this is okay. So you asked a a bunch of questions there. Some remain to be seen, but like the expectations were off the charts. I thought the scene was off the charts. Like for Colorado, like you sold out a stadium. They were loud. They were exciting. Like you got. It was basically a two-hour infomercial for the Colorado Buffaloes. Like I would say, they got exactly what they thought they would get. Now, how does what the product on the field, like the the play? How does that translate? Like, that's a different conversation. But just from the spring game experience, yeah, it met the expectations. Maybe over-delivered, too. Like, we knew it was going to be a zoo, but it was it was pretty insane.
1: Anecdotally, I will say, I was, I was in the Tampa St. Pete area over the weekend, and I was in a sports bar. We were going to the White Sox-Rays game at the Trop. We were at a bar outside the stadium, and there's a billion TVs. It's a sports bar. And, you know, there's there's the NBA playoffs going on. So those are on some of the TVs. There's baseball going on. Those are on some of the TVs. There's hockey on. The big screen, I look over behind me. It's the like a 75-inch, whatever, 100-inch projector kind of screen. It's the Colorado Spring Game at a bar in St. Pete outside of a baseball stadium. That is the game that was on the big screen. And it was just one of those things where it's like, huh. This is this is the, the fact they're putting that on the big screen. While well, there's an NBA playoff game going on, there's NHL playoff games going on. And I was like, holy crap. I mean, I knew it was the only one that was on broadcast TV, but the fact that at a bar in Florida, they were showing that on the main TV to me was wild. So yeah, I would say it was effective.
0: Is that the pride of Fort Myers coming through? Is that just like De- Deion Sanders and, and all of his, uh, his Florida roots? It's just like, like, he is actually going to be like Colorado's... Um, uh, TV market ratings is going to show that Colorado games are spiking in Florida and spiking in <laughs> Dallas and spiking in San Francisco. Um, I don't know. Bud, what would you think?
2: I, I thought they really were pretty smart about how they went about it, as Denny said. And, and, and Tom said it was basically an infomercial for the bus for two hours. They ran a little bit of 11 on 11. Uh, I like the fit for Shador. In this Sean Lewis offense, I don't think he has a real strong arm, but I do think he throws that sort of deep touch ball a little bit. This is similar to what we talked about with Tennessee's offense a couple episodes ago when we broke down kind of what you need and, and maybe more importantly what you don't need to run that offense successfully. We saw Travis Hunter catch a touchdown pass. We had him as the number one corner in the country. If he had played receiver, I feel strongly he would have been the number one receiver in the country coming out as a recruit. Um, they had a couple other guys look pretty good there. Lines of scrimmage, I think, are, are a pretty big concern due to what you cannot get in the transfer portal. thought the O-line looked okay, but if you kind of adjust for opponent, like Colorado's D-line just is, I, th- I think, straight up bad and, and I mean, maybe the worst in the Power Five, other than like Stanford, which I'm not really sure about still. They were getting some pressure. So if that line's getting some pressure, that does, I think, concern you a little bit as a Colorado fan. They, they got to get a lot of help defensively. I mean, this could be a top like a top-half offense, move like top 60 offense in college football, but like a bottom 15 defense if, if they don't get some major help in the portal uh, defensively. So the new clock rules may not affect Colorado because they may be in some four-and-a-half-hour games here. Uh, but, I mean, I thought they, they really smartly switched from 11-on-11 11 11 to 7-on-7 seven seven quickly because what do you not have to have in 7-on-7? Linemen, seven? right? <laughs> uh, and they need some depth, too. The uh, The quality of these backups running around – they kind of look like me and that's not great. So oh, are
0: you doing the they look small? Are you bringing oh, that? They, they got they me did. on
2: that. Did you see that? They they hit me with the uh the I don't know how you describe this on air. Anyway, they, they uh I, I tweeted they're like, who the hell are these backups playing? And then they, they they tweeted out like the real little guys with the huge heads mm-hmm. uh, graphic it was
3: great. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys I don't sometimes sometimes I like get into the conspiracy theories? Yes. Did you guys think the Travis Hunter touchdown was set up because there was no defender there? Like, I mean, I get they can have blown coverages. And then they had the 98 yard touchdown pass to the other guy that ended up transferring after. Like, and that almost looked too good to be true. Like, it was a great play. And everybody's feeling those are the two highlights that we all saw from the game. That or they have some serious problems getting lined up on the defensive side of the ball, which may be it as well. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) It's a game script. Yes. It is a game script. You're dealing <laughs> with reality too, exactly. shows.
3: Yeah. They did have – I think they did something – I so I didn't get to watch it live, but they were ones versus twos. Is that what they were doing? Because a lot of teams will do that. You know, good programs, you want to go ones versus ones. You get a really good taste where you are. Programs that might want to look better, especially in offense, you go ones versus twos because you have your better players out there, and you usually win – that way, so I thought that could have been happening, too. Like, you get deeper on the depth chart, you get some freshman out there who's been on campus for two months, and he's lost. You know, and then you just – then you can line him up.
0: Anything else on Colorado? All
3: right.
2: I'm not super worried about the receiver they lost. Like, Mar- Marcus Lonius Craig is, is a, a good player, and, and he had the touchdown catch against Cal to beat them last year for their, like, lone uh, – their, their lone win – I mean, think about who they have. If they're actually going to play Travis on offense, which is worth a discussion here because I think he's very good on offense, but also that defense looks horrible. Uh, Play both. Why won't he? Dion was a two-way guy. I mean, you might – yeah, and I think they probably will will and will need to. But Xavier Weaver can play. Jimmy Horn can play. I don't know about Tyson. He had a big-time knee injury. They got this kid named Traor from Arkansas State who's listed as a tight end, but if you look at him, he looks more like a receiver – I think they'll be okay. It just it is a little surprising the guy goes for 158 receiving yards and then bounces.
1: Yeah, I I would. I think Hunter can go both ways. You'd probably put him on defense like 100% of the time. And then offensively, you work in some packages and some plays with him. Cause I think defensively, they do need him. Like, it's just, it's from what I saw, that was just not a very optimistic defense.
0: And, and
3: that's what they did at Jackson State. They mm-hmm. used them sparingly on receiver, big plays, I and mean, kind of like what Dion did. And so you mentioned the uh, receiver who transferred out. They did have a decommitment, right, after the weekend. Any, like, do you read more into this, or is this just normal?
0: Well, I was going to say Lamonius Craig's exit is one of like eight now. I mean, it is right. a, like a pretty, a pretty long line of players that are entering the transfer portal, leaving Colorado after this spring practice, which I can only assume is the fulfillment of what Deion Sanders said when he talked to the team for the first time, essentially telling a room full of the current roster, some of you guys aren't going to be here. And at the end of spring practice, even if you might have had 158 receiving yards in the spring game, you might know that you know, there, there are going to be other p- players playing ahead of you.
2: So as far as reading into the kid decommitting, um, it's easy to get – not easy. It is easier to get a commit from a kid really early than it is to get a kid from the, from that like to get a commitment from that kid really late if he's actually that good, and he might actually be that good. And now somebody in his home state named LSU actually wants him, so it's a whole different ball game. Like I do not expect that Dion is going to beat out LSU, Georgia, Ohio State for for like top level kids that those schools really want. Now will he beat them out for some for a super stud? Maybe once in a while. Yeah, look at Travis Hunter. Right, U- unique situation there. Will he beat him out for some guys that they've allegedly offered, but maybe the offer was like a full year ago and they really haven't been pursuing? Yes, but it's still really hard to get elite kids to come to Colorado, especially if you didn't have that kind of pre-existing relationship with them.
0: Mm, Good point. Uh, In South Bend, there were three touchdown offensive touchdowns. And every one of them was thanks to Sam Hartman Two passing one rushing. Uh, this was another situation where there was a draft of the team. So it wasn't, you know, ones on ones or ones and twos was, you know, somewhat evenly split. I know Notre Dame fans have their own opinions on, you know, which roster had the edge over the other, but from, you know, the, the takeaways from this game are a quarterback competition where you know, Tyler Buckner was a starter at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season comes back from injury to bowl game MVP honors with the game-winning touchdown that he is running second based on performance to Sam Hartman. Does that surprise you at all?
2: Uh, um, I, I mean, I, I kind of thought that Kenny looked a little better than Buckner did. So I, I Hartman looked, looked pretty damn good. I think if you're a Notre Dame fan, you need to be – comforted by that I, I thought overall and then Buckner to me was not impressive uh, I I think Jaden Greathouse really could be that dude for Notre Dame this year and that's a great development potentially considering that their receivers didn't scare anybody last year so uh, I think if you're a Notre Dame fan you leave that that game feeling pretty damn good man like like I liked what I saw and if Buckner ain't the guy after Sam leaves you got Kenny Minchie and uh, you also have uh, have Carr coming in so All smiles if you're an Irish fan today, I have to think. The biggest reason to be optimistic about me is you have upgraded a QB. No
1: matter who your number two is, you've upgraded a QB. But for me, you mentioned the draft, and our our good friend Michael commented before the show started, speaking Danny, of people who like conspiracy theories, the Notre Dame superfan who thinks everybody's out to get Notre Dame. He mentioned, he said, you know, he hates the int- the concept of drafting teams because it splits up all the better players. And then especially for this one, because Notre Dame was missing a few of its starters on the offensive line anyway. So then to split up the units, the offensive line play in this game was awful. So for the fact that Hartman and the QBs kind of played pretty well overall behind those bad offensive lines, I think is a reason to be optimistic because when they're actually got the starting unit out there, well, that should be pretty decent and they do look more talented in offense. They look quicker on offense. I think that's a big part of it too. It's Sam
3: Hartman's team. Same. You guys played a lot of football. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I. I don't even think some of these spring games. I have to remind myself that I was sold on Charlie Brewer because of fifteen for fifteen. <laughs> like, and just like you want, but like you do want a good. And I would say it's the same thing on the flip side. Like we see a lot of quarterbacks struggled over the weekend, and we're going to talk about some of those as well. It is just one appearance, but I think like especially when you're making your debut as the big name transfer. Like, you want to go out with a performance like Hartman did. Just kind of just showcase what you're capable of doing, which wasn't the case at some other ones.
0: And some context for uh, those listening at home or watching, Jaden Greathouse is one of three early enrollee, true freshman wide receivers who have been generating a lot of buzz sort of throughout spring practice. And, you know, maybe answering that question about where are Notre Dame wide receivers? Lorenzo Styles, also a newsy Notre Dame note, has hit the transfer portal as... This season you know one of the things that was happening in the final week of spring practice was him working out a little bit at cornerback and it may be that his future is as a defensive back rather than a wide receiver but it will not be at Notre Dame and so these um, these buzzy true freshmen great house of course being the one that was the real star and looks like he could be that dude, they are going to have some opportunities because uh, there are there are open snaps right there at the wide receiver position uh, for Notre Dame's youth movement, Alabama, Alabama. They wish that Tyler Van Dyke had said yes.
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) That is a situation where I feel like we, there's going to be transfer, you know, we're going to see QBs entering the portal. I think as we've kind of discussed already, I think, Alabama's going to be very interested in a couple of names that hit the portal at some point here.
0: Look, so
3: didn't look this terrible. This is one of those ones where I'm kind of torn on because I do think like the Alabama's defense is legit. Like yes. that might be the yes. takeaway. And yes. like, mm-hmm. well, yes. I remember speaking of ones versus two. So when we used to go ones versus ones at Florida State, like all of a sudden we're going against Derek Brooks and Derek Alexander, and Clifton Abraham on the outside, and there's first-round talent all over the field. And guess what? We didn't produce as good as we did against Duke or Wake Forest, right? But it actually really helped us because when you did play against teams in the regular season, like it was a little bit of a sigh of relief. So, I again, some of these, and maybe they didn't structure it but because I do think they would have liked to have their quarterbacks play better. I'm sure Nick Saban is not happy, and I guarantee you, like you guys are talking about, they are exploring other options, but it's also one of those ones where I remember Bryce and, you know, Bryce Young, I remember reading about him in spring practices early and it was, oh, you know, he looks a little lost. Well, yeah, against the, those defenders, everyone's going to look a little lost. So I'm, I get it. And, I'm you know, there's concern. You throw three picks between the two of them. I think probably the bigger concern is there wasn't a separation. Like there's still this uncertainty.
0: We're both yuck. Uh, It was 19 for 37 for Milrow with a couple of picks. He did have a couple of touchdowns and another rushing touchdown, but that's barely over 50% passing. And then Simpson was 12 for 26 with no touchdowns and another turnover. That ain't good enough. I mean, like, and I I think that, so if you've got Isaiah Bond, if you've got Ja'Cory Brooks, and if you've got Jermaine Burton, it's kind of a good top line of wide receivers, right? I mean, that's... And Jukko Kid Malik. Like I think it's start, probably legit. If we start to compare those wide receiver rooms across the SEC, I I haven't broken this down and ranked them myself, but they are not, at least at the top line, they are, they don't have shortcomings at the wide receiver position if they can get it right on at quarterback.
2: They're not like Georgia LSU level. I think those are, are your clear top two receiver rooms to me at, at, in the SEC. Um, but like to Danny's point about them going against first-team defense, it, it's true, but also – there are some important guys who did not play for that first-team defense, right? Lawson, their stud linebacker, didn't play. Chris Braswell and Turner, their two starting edge rushers, didn't play. And I, I thought Saban's comments afterward were instructive. I mean, he he was asked about, would you bring in another quarterback or somebody to help the room through the portal? And he would not shoot it down. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, he said, we need a quarterback who will make winning decisions. And our guys need to think about if the decisions they're making are winning decisions. And I think that is... Because there were other throws in that game by both guys, I thought more by Milrow, that could have been picked or that just weren't on time, weren't necessarily advisable. And I don't think these guys are going to get him killed, right? Like, like this, this doesn't mean Bama's going to go 7-5 and five or, or, or miss a bowl yeah. game or something like that. But you didn't see anybody in this game who's elevating everybody else around you, and, and, and you didn't see anybody who said, oh, that's not a major step down from Bryce Young. I do think the O-line's going to be better, though, right? Elijah Pritchett did not look great. But Caden Proctor is 6'6, 3'40, and looks like he belongs. It wouldn't shock me if he takes that, that one of those tackle spots. Maybe they shift Latham to the left and Caden plays right or something like that. That is a really big, nasty group. Like interior, they didn't look like they missed the Miami transfer Javion Cohen at all, right? D- D- Dalcourt and Tyler Booker, I thought looked really good. I think Dupree will be a nice help with them uh, at, at tight end. I think they're going to be able to block people. I think they'll probably run the ball a lot, like 37 passes and 26 passes is not what you're going to see at Alabama this year. I think they will pound the rock more. Uh, But if you're Nick, you got to figure out these guys can play because you don't have that long to coach anymore. Like he's not going to coach another 10 years, probably. Although Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, some coaches do hang on that long, but you're trying to win an under natty, man. Do either of these guys look, you win a natty, I guess if Stetson can, these guys in theory could, but like,
3: you got to be so looking look, Here's then. where I've been yeah, down on be the really whole well. dynasty and where it could be coming. Like, what if they didn't have Bryce Young last couple of years was just a guy or right. a pretty good quarterback? Like, he, and I know, you know, like but there were the Texas game, you know, like he bailed him out of that one. The Texas A&M game, he bailed him out. Like, the Tennessee game was competitive because he came back. Like, uh, there are some games that might have not turned out. Like, there's a very real possibility they were eight and four without Bryce Young.
2: If uh you know? as somebody who covered this back when I was doing beat writer stuff, uh if Jimbo didn't have Dalvin, right, how much right. sooner do we realize that thing was rotting from the inside and and you know we're, we're not we seem crazy to suggest so much earlier, right? I mean
0: who has you, gone you know, on to prove to be like a, a one of the like best at his position in his generation type yeah, of
2: exactly right. Um so I don't know. Like maybe maybe one of these guys takes a major step. I kind of thought Simpson made better decisions, so I I was previously thinking like maybe the Simpson hype is premature. Why are we doubting Milrow this much? We only have one game sample of him, but I kind of think if I had to guess, Simpson. I thought Lonergan looked much better than Holstein when when, when the uh, the young guys were in, which is consistent with what I saw with him as recruits. I, I was not on board with Holstein. Um, I will say to, oh, to just to add some context to it, like.
1: We should, you know, it's first spring practice with a new O.C. new bunch of guys all competing for a starting job replacing a guy who might be the first pick in the draft. So, like, we should, probably shouldn't expect it to be firing on all cylinders. But also, going back to what you were talking about, Bud, with Saban's comments after the game, I thought it was interesting kind of reading between the lines. Like, he made comments about how the decisions and trying to get to see if these guys can recognize the defense before the snap. Like, are they in cover two? Are they in cover three? That kind of stuff. So, I'm wondering if a lot of what the plan was in this game was we are going to run, we're not going to do basic vanilla defense. We are going to try to confuse the hell out of these guys to see which one of them can figure it out the best. And maybe that's that probably played a role in their performance because they might not have had any idea what they were throwing into.
0: Um, also just some, some comments from the chat. I see a lot of people mentioning this, uh, that, and I, I do not have my postgraduate degree in Alabama's a day, but, um, it, it appears some fans are indicating that Tua looked bad in the spring game, uh, that Bryce Young even looked bad in a spring game, that Mac Jones looks awful in the spring game and that yes, but we should also provide that as, as part of the analysis or part of the discussion. I will say my final thought is that if Nick Saban sounds like he is open to bringing in someone else, then they don't have their answer.
2: Yeah, agreed. Uh, but that somebody else has to actually hit the portal and and do it. right? Like Van Dyke, the way he played last year and the way he looked and he was clearly hurt, would not start over these guys. The Van Dyke of two years ago, I think, would have a, a real shot to start over these dudes. Uh, one other guy I mentioned for Bama, Caleb Downs, he's that dude. It is very rare that we rate a safety in the top 10 nationally. We had him as number eight in the country. He's an early enrollee freshman Usually, your best safeties are dudes who, like, were corners in high school and then you know put on some more muscle and moved over. This guy looks special. Like, he may be a, a true freshman starter for the Tide. That, that's.
0: Was one of the best high school players in the entire country last year. Yeah, um, very, very exciting to see it pay out already. Coming up on the other side, there was much more to go. Maybe we'll get our little Big Ten West on. We got some Nebraska, some Wisconsin, some Iowa, uh, also some Louisville, some LSU, and much more. Next.
4: At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: Lay the seven and a half. Wait, no, you would take the seven. Alabama's going to be favored by seven and a half against Texas, right?
2: Yeah, it's it's too early in the year, right? That's the second week of the season.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Even if Bama's down and Texas is better than, than people realize, the power ratings will, will not have ad- adapted to just one game of data. Based on historical precedents, so.
0: Well, I mean, I'm taking Texas because Texas is back.
2: Well, Damn. yeah, but the, the line will will not be under a touchdown.
0: Right. Um. Tom. <laughs> uh. Tom, take us uh, between Iowa, Nebraska, um, Wisconsin. So we got a new quarterback at Iowa. We've got head coaching changes at both Nebraska and Wisconsin. Um, which, any one of those three, which one is sort of taking your top priority in terms of the most interesting uh, coming out of the weekend?
1: Uh, from, I would say Nebraska and Wisconsin were interesting in that Nebraska looked, you know, defensively, I'm s- not super excited about what they've got on that side of the ball. I think on the line, they're a little thin. I think that could be a problem. I don't think that if you're a Nebraska fan, I don't think the first year of Matt Rule is going to be anything you should get too excited about. But I don't think most Nebraska fans really had overall high expectations. I think it's more of a long-term kind of project that people are buying in on. I, but from what I saw in the spring game, like the, I thought Sims looked good. I also thought the special teams, which was a huge problem for them last year, was Still a pretty big problem for them. They missed a few field goals in the game. I just, it's that's that was a thing that killed them so often the last years. If I'm a Nebraska fan, I'm probably having like PTSD watching that. But I think overall, it's a team that talent wise, it just didn't look terrific to me. Like they got what's the kid from Virginia, Kemp, the transfer. He looks OK, but he's not like he's he's not Trey Palmer. He's he's a, he's like a possession guy who will help you move the chains, but he's not a big play threat. I just I I think that year one is probably going to be eh, and then you're hoping for year two to take that big step forward, depending on what you can do in the portal. My other that's, would take a,
0: Kemp the fourth, by the way. Yes. William Kemp, the Kemp fourth, that's fire.
1: hmm. hmm. But and then the other one was uh from Wisconsin. Because this is confirmation bias, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Alabama just now, because we got to remember, completely new offense in Madison. But my concern had been, you know, Tanner Mordecai put up a lot of big kind of volume numbers at SMU, but you saw when you dug into the splits, when he played power five teams, the interception rate just skyrocketed. He threw four picks in the spring game. So three of them to one guy. So like on the one side, you can say, whoo, that defense looks good. Wisconsin's not going to give up any points. On the other side, it's like, that's the guy that's supposed to be the starter. And he turned the ball over four times in the spring game. That's just, uh. and he's the one that has the most experience in the offense. So I don't know. It's again, it's a spring game. You don't want to take too much from it, but
2: I've just, it's a little bit of an eyebrow raiser for me from the Badgers. I, I would agree with that. I, um, I have not watched like the actual spring. game. I just saw some clips. So like, I don't have much to add on that on Nebraska. I know we talked a lot about Casey Thompson. Are we sure Jeff Sims isn't going to take that job? Jeff Sims no. is.
0: But like, Casey thompson has been hurt. Okay. So that's like, yeah. Casey no, he's recovering good. from injury, but Jeff Sims is a good player. Mm-hmm. The idea that he would take the job, like don't, don't discount him just because he comes with a Georgia tech on his like bio. He's a good player and he has faced some tough, tough situations he's dealt with injury issues he got thrown into the fire as a true freshman that's that's a hundred percent something that has not seemed crazy to me yeah,
1: and and an offense where i was watching and i didn't see a lot of guys who looked like they provided much of a spark he was the one guy that looks like he could make something out of nothing that i just don't think they have
0: is that falling you good bud
2: yeah i i just uh there was kind of one other team i, I kind of wanted to hit maybe
0: oh um, that's what, what you got? Did
2: you guys watch LSU? No, I haven't seen LSUs yet. Kind of think LSUs better than Bama.
0: Ooh!
3: Ooh!
0: Don't drop that in the 56th minute. Come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> I mean,
2: J- Jaden Daniels only had one incompletion. Like, you guys know I think Nussmeyer is a total stud and NFL guy. And there's a reason Walker Howard left. And it ain't Jaden Daniels. I think it's because he realized Nussmeyer was also ahead of him. I think they might have the best receiving core in the SEC. You know, like neighbors is a stud. Lacey's out there making a bunch of one-handed grabs. Brian Thomas looks great. I think both those true freshman offensive tackles are are, are growing up and they're not little young pups anymore. Uh, I think they got a really good o line. Questions about the secondary? A couple of their defensive studs didn't play. Like the both D tackles that you start for them didn't go. And I think they got a couple safeties out, but uh they look good, really good.
0: I still, I still have on my like follow up list. I, I have LSU, Oklahoma, Washington, uh, Louisville. You mentioned that Plumber looked really good. Like I, I still have- none of us
2: watch watch Oklahoma because I, I figured one of you guys did, so I didn't watch. Like I, I, all right, we'll have to, we'll have to do that. I was cramming last night. I was
1: in, I yeah. was on vacation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, look, like, the the good news is that they're not playing again till August. <laughs>
1: But can we get it now? I want to get this April twenty fourth. The, the Cover Three Podcast, College Football Playoff field, Georgia, LSU, USC, and Texas. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah.
0: So Ohio State and Michigan both get shut
1: nah, up. Nah, they just take each other out. They're taking each other out. Big Ten's going to be in shambles. No, no programs this year after getting two last year. Conference is a mess.
0: I mean, LSU has the belt. That is the reigning SEC West division champs LSU to the playoff, man. That's so good. Um, any, anything else from the weekend that, uh, you want, you want to make sure you hit.
1: I was still not going to score a lot of points.
0: You don't think that, uh, there's been limited. Like you can't, I mean, it's, it's been, I, uh,
1: I also, I am suspicious if I was just leaving some stuff, Like not letting, not publicizing some stuff that they plan to do. Like I think they're trying to keep things close to the vest. I do think there's going to be some changes to what they do. Whether no matter what Brian Ferentz is saying publicly,
0: but not, we're not coming out and running up tempo.
1: No, I don't think they're coming out in the air raid. But I do think we might, you know, like see RPOs and maybe some shotgun and that kind of stuff. So we'll see. You know, big big time 2012 offensive (laughs) kind of. innovations (laughs)
0: yeah the the innovative offenses that marcus Mariota was running at oregon uh now 10 years later have trickled to iowa it's Mm -hmm. like a lot of trends starts Mm -hmm. coastal works the way inward just kind of the way these culture works so they say uh we will be back on Wednesday and it's going to be a day to open up the big old bag of mail. If you would like to get a question into Wednesday or a future mailbag episode, leave us a five star review in that review. You can put your question we'll tackle it then. Uh, you can also get at us on Twitter at at Cover3Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question, we will call for them on Wednesday. And of course, we love uh, interacting with the chat, especially all throughout those mailbag episodes. Come and hang out. Get there early, and you can drop your question in, and we'll see it uh, when we arrive, right when we get the show started. Thursday, NFL Draft Preview. Very excited about all of that. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. See y'all.